thank you for uh, the opportunity to bring your word to your church, Christian Renewal Church. And Lord, what an honor, what a privilege. I ask you, Lord, to use um, the words that you've given through your word and given to me. And as you lead me in this opportunity, thank you, Lord, for bringing forth fruit in my own life and all of our hearts, Lord, that we would uh, better serve you in all that we do. Uh, Lord, we'd honor you in, in all that we do. And Lord, we just, I thank you for your presence here, the palpable sense of your presence here this morning. What a tremendous privilege and honor. And Lord, thank you for uh, your grace. And we just love you and thank you for the opportunity to be together. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. I, I, um, I'm honored to be able to speak. I'm, uh, for those I've not met, my name is Patrick Eads. I'm one of the elders. Um, I'm honored to be an elder, but honored that our pastor um, allows me from time to time to um, speak to the church. Um, I don't take it lightly. Um, it's it's a it's a blessing um, to to be given that um, gift. Um, I don't take it lightly. Um, so thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark Anthony. Thanks to the leadership of the church um, for allowing me um, to do this. I'd always anticipated that I'd be a pastor one day and. This is the favorite part of being a pastor, in my humble opinion. Mark probably has some other things that are probably more favorite to him, but um, so it's almost like having having the whole enchilada without all the stress that Mark gets to deal with on a regular basis. So, so it's a tremendous um, blessing. We've been going through this uh, series, uh, sacred things, and Mark's done a great job of looking at the things like prayer and the names of God and the Word of God. Um, and the, the, uh, the, yeah, you guys go ahead. The, the ushers are going to be uh, combing through the audience uh, this morning, and they're going to be um, not to split any hairs with you all, but they're they're passing out some some combs to you all. And Pastor Mark already said um, he'll never part with it, so he's he's glad to get a comb this morning because he'll never part with it. Yeah, there you go. that was good. I like that. So we're looking at this the whole sacred that's uh, meaning holy, um, uh, apartness, holiness, sacredness, separateness. Set apart for a special purpose of God, of places, of things. And a key verse uh, for this series has been Colossians 2.8. Uh, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and on elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Uh, Colossians 2.8 um, is the, the scripture we've been looking at. And I, I'm, I'm uh, going to focus on sacred relationships. I believe the Lord wants us to recognize the importance of relationships, and one of those places that I found this is in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. Um, this is Jesus speaking in verse 21. He said, uh, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And then Jesus said to him, but Jesus said, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to hell of fire. Then Jesus goes on to say, so if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, and go first to be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Matthew 5, 21 through 24. It's, this is an amazing passage of scripture where Jesus literally says, if you, you are at the altar offering to me a, a, something and you recognize that you and someone else, another person, another human being, not, not you and me, 
But you and somebody else, that you notice there's an offense there, you notice there's a problem there, that he said, leave the moment of worship and, and sacrifice and go get three things straightened out with your brother or sister. To me, what he's saying is that, that relationships with each other are very important. That, that, that our relationships with each other are intended for a very purpose and that those relationships should be in good shape. Um, and relationships are important to us. We, over the last year, you've noticed some changes that we've been focusing on a, on a vision to know God and find freedom to discover our purpose and to make a difference. And we've been encouraging people to get, to, to start small groups and to be in small groups because we think people are important. We think relationships are important. We think interaction with each other is important. And today in, in step four, the growth track, you'll be learning about serving on a team and being part of our dream team that's making a difference in the church and making a difference in our community because people import are, are important. People need to know God. People need to find freedom. They need to get, get away from their past and the things and, and, when, and, and get into small groups where they can recognize this. And we've got some, some great small groups going on, the, the Find Freedom small group where you can get free from your past issues and, and, and see the significance of the Holy Spirit working in your life and see the significances of, of His gifts and His powers working through you. So we strongly believe as leaders in the church, we agree with Jesus that relationships are important. And the fact that Jesus encouraged us to leave the altar to deal with a severed relationship underlines that there are opportunities for conflict in relationships. In other words, what Jesus was going ahead admitting was there's opportunities for conflict. He, he didn't say there shouldn't be conflict. He, he didn't say when you're at the altar, there should be no conflicts. What he, what he recognized is that people have conflicts. And then when you have conflicts, it, as Christ followers, as people of God, we're supposed to work through those, those conflicts. And so, um, so in, in our, we, I've been doing a little small group and we've been doing this, uh, a, a marriage group with, with Gary, Thomas, and he brought forth a, a scripture out of there that I thought would be kind of handy with this. It's in James chapter 3, verse 2. And it says this, For we all stumble in many ways. For we all stumble in many ways. And if you look up in the Greek, that word all is all of us. Stumble. In how many ways? Many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to also to bridle his whole body. And then, and then Gary Thomas put it this way in the, in the marriage thing that we were doing. He says, if marriage is the union of one person who stumbles in many ways to another person who stumbles in many ways, who occasionally having sex and making little people who stumble in many ways, why are so many people surprised when they discover how difficult marriage can be? In other words, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be places where we rub each other wrong. There's going to be places where we hurt each other. Intentionally and unintentionally. There's going to be conflict. And it's not just your wife, husband, children, mom and dad that we are looking at in this, you know, marriage issue. It's your boss. It's a student. It's your neighbor. It's your coworker. It's your, your pastor, it's your mechanic, it's your doctor, the person driving in front of you this morning, your waiter, a teacher, 
a student. You may be getting the picture. We all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. In other words, in these relationships that are intended to be sacred, there are ample opportunities for for conflict. So, what do we do with the conflict? I'm glad you asked. Actually, I asked, but... What we're going to do is we're going to comb through the nappy knots of relationship conflict this morning. That's why you have a comb. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to comb right through them. I even have a comb myself because I have the opportunity to comb them out, right? So um, what is the real cause of relationship conflict? This may This may surprise you. What is the real cause of relationship conflicts. Well, I think the secret of it is found in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Here it is. It's just straightforward. What causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So the source of relationship conflict, it's something you want, something you want that you do not have is the source of your conflict. Let that percolate for just a second. Ladies and gentlemen, the source of our conflict, the source of all of our conflict, according to our friend James, is something you want that you don't have is the source of your conflict. And the results of that conflict, you kill for what you want. Trying to introduce a little humor into the midst of this very sticky situation I'm bringing forward to you all this morning. You kill. You may not literally kill. But you kill. And it's not always bad what you want. (laughs) It's not bad what you want. You want excellence, or you want support, or you want service, or you want understanding, or, or, or you want respect, and, and you'll defend it because you want it. I've been there. I want what I want. And as a result, a conflict will ensue because of it. And, and, and again, get the point. It could be something very good that you want. You know, try to manipulate and coerce and, 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 and cause division and bring frustration because you want what you want. So it can be things like, oh, I made a little list. Um, I want them to keep their promise. I want them to clean up their room. I want him to pick up his socks. I want her to have the house clean. I told him I wanted it done this way. 
I want, it, I want her to do it my way. I want to be acknowledged for my efforts. I want them to understand me or my idea. Those all sound like some good things, huh? When you want what you want, and I've wanted what I want, and you're not getting what you want, so you know what it does? It causes conflict. C.S. Lewis put it this way. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. Let me get down here and read it. Yeah. Those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. It's kind of weighty, huh? Let's say it one more time. Those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. I think I have another quote from a marriage guy, too. This is, I don't actually know, personally know this guy. Yeah, this is, if both spouses say my self-centeredness is the main problem, they have the prospect of a great marriage. You couldn't hear a comb drop in here, y'all. So we need to recognize the source of the conflict, of relational conflict. And there's two of them. Let's pop up the two, two sources. You and the enemy of your soul. Y'all, because some of y'all are saying this. In your brain, you're saying, no, no, no. Patrick, it was the other person. Well, if you didn't want what she wanted, it wouldn't be the other person. If you didn't want what you wanted, it wouldn't be the other person. There'd be no conflict. But you want what you want. And you want what you want now. Or you want what you want for a long time. And you wanted what you wanted for a long time. And you want it now. You, You want what you want. There'd be no conflict if you did not want what you wanted. There'd be none. You'd be, you'd be doing that. But because you want something, can't believe them. Because they want something else that you don't want. We're the source of conflict. Me. I am. You are. And the enemy of our soul would, would love nothing more than for us to stay there. And that's why I'm bringing the enemy of our soul in there because he wants to kill, steal, and, and destroy. That's his, that's, his, that's his mission statement. The enemy's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And if we don't recognize that he's trying to kill, steal, and destroy our relationships by, by allowing conflict to, to, to destroy them, then we, we've, we've allowed him to have a playground in our own relationships. Does that make sense? You with me? Because if I didn't want what I didn't want, there'd be no conflict. And if you didn't want what you didn't want, there'd be no conflict. And until we could come together and recognize that we are both self-centered and want our own way, <laughs> there'll be no resolution of the conflict. There'll just be conflict. And inside we'll want to kill. And kill's not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not carrying a gun on me this morning. I am carrying a small knife. But it's southeast Georgia. You're supposed to carry a small knife. I'm a man. You're supposed to expel it's not, it's not intended to kill. But you don't have to kill with weapons. You can kill with avoidance, and you can kill with looks, and you can kill with talking about the conflict with somebody else and not dealing with the conflict. You can kill all different kinds of ways. 
You could kill someone's reputation. You could kill their... You, you could kill. <laughs> it, it, it's so easy to kill if you don't recognize the enemy of our soul is wanting to kill your relationships. And I know some of y'all, some of y'all are battling this inside. Inside you're saying, Patrick, you don't understand. It's the other person. 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 So who's going to grow up? Who's going to be the man or woman of God? Who's going to trust Jesus that even if it is, so it's never to- totally on the other person, but I'm, I'm giving you a little, I'm giving you a little free freedom here to, to, to blame it completely on the other person. But, but I really realize that the reason you have a conflict is because you want something. You want it bad. You want it. Admit it. So, what should we do about this? Well, we need to take responsibility for our, our, response, uh, our relationship conflicts. So, so how can we take responsibility? Well, the first thing we need, we need to do is we need to own it. We need to own it, y'all. We need to own the fact that we want something. We need to own it. I want something, and that's why there's a conflict. If I didn't want something, there would be no conflict. But because I want something, there is a conflict. And because I want something, I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to harm my relationship with this person. When Jesus, when Jesus, our Lord and our Savior is saying, well, when you recognize that you're at the place of the altar and you're offering sacrifice and you know there's a conflict among you and your brothers, you go get it straightened out. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. I just happen to have the joy of being able to be his messenger this morning. To help you own it. So go ahead and own it. Whatever conflict you're in, go ahead and own it. Own, own your responsibility. Own your self-centeredness. Own your part in it. You might ask, uh, who is suffering right now because I'm not getting what I want? You might ask yourself that. Who is suffering right now because I'm not getting what I want? I mean, wouldn't it be interesting in the in the heat of the battle, let's say that Mark and I are having a conflict about something, and in the heat of the battle, I see, you know what's wrong here? You know what's wrong here, Mark Clinton? I want something. I want something. And you're not giving me what I want. So I guess I'm part of the problem. You ever seen an argument like that? <laughs> Recognize I want something. So, so who, who is suffering right now because I'm not getting what I want? I'm still not hearing a comb drop. Come on, y'all. Recognize the conflict. Well, I think I've already made this point. Recognize the conflict may not be all them. It could be just me. You know, the funny thing is, sometimes a conflict could potentially just be all you. And the other person has nothing to do with the conflict. You've just, in your heart, pulled up stuff that you think is important and they're not necessarily responding the way you think that they should respond, but they you've never communicated to them, so they didn't know that there was any problem, and so there's this conflict without you even being part of the fight. <laughs> it, it's... um. 
It's called expectations. When you expect someone to do something and they don't do it, but you've never communicated to them that you want them to do it. I call it premeditated bitterness. You want something to, you want somebody to do something, but you don't tell them you want them to do it. It's premeditated bitterness. It works well. People do it really, I mean, people have some skills in premeditated bitterness. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've sat, I've sat sometimes in some meetings where people, you know, are having a, a, a fuss with each other. And, and, and they'll say, well, you never did that. Well, did you ask me to do it? No, you never, never. So, and so the person was expecting someone to do something they never asked them to do. And so there was a conflict. <laughs> it was all premeditated bitterness. So recognize the conflict, maybe just you. And then step three, repent. Repent means you're going to ask the Lord to forgive you for your what you have not been taking responsibility for, and then then taking the step. So you get it right before the Lord, and then you do the next step, and you ask to be forgiven for the your your part of the conflict. And you speak to God about that. You might say to the Lord, Lord, there is something I want, and I'm not getting it. Lord, there's something I want, and I'm not getting it, and I've allowed that to bring forth a conflict in our relationship. There's something I want, Lord, I'm not getting it. And here's the interesting thing. The thing that you want, they may not have it in them to give to you. What you want, they may not have inside of them to give to you. And that's why it's very important for us to get before the Lord and say, Lord, I want something from this person and they're not willing to give it. I want to bring that before you. I want you to do a work in my heart because I want something that from someone. And I want you to do a work in my heart to... Destroy the conflict and destroy the enemy. My soul's opportunity to kill, steal, and destroy. See, it brings me back to James chapter 4 where, again, where he says, what causes, this is straight from the word of God, y'all. This is, I didn't make this up. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you don't ask God. That's what I'm trying to bring you to. It's, it's, it's coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm in conflict with this person. I want this. I'm going ahead and Lord, I'm going to admit I want this from that person. And they're not giving it to me. And what you're just basically admitting is that you, as we already read in James, that you stumble in many ways and and you're just admitting it before the Lord. The Lord actually already knows about it. He's not going, really? That's what the problem is. He's he's not going to be doing that. It's about you getting your heart straight with him, and then straight with the other person, right? It's that. That hurt. Um, So, verse 3, when you ask, this is it. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. See, this is about getting your motives right. So, 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 so the, James is not saying don't ask for it, uh, for 
you know, what you don't want. He's not saying that. But what he's, what he's, what he's actually bringing forth is maybe the other person doesn't have it in them to, to give what you want. And maybe you just need to release it before the Lord and actually ask for what you really want. And then maybe sometimes in asking for what you really want, you might actually grow up and realize that you really don't need what you thought you wanted. And we're just being self-centered and selfish and all those kind of things. That, you know, we don't like in somebody else, but we love in us sometimes, you know. It's just the hardship of being alive and being a human being that we stumble in many ways. And so, so how do we reduce these conflicts? That's what I'm trying to bring up is we're going we're gonna to check our heart. We're going to check our heart, and then we're going to establish a biblical a biblical defense. So I'm going to give you a few scriptures that I think are a great biblical defense that I think if you can internalize, if you can begin to meditate on, I think they'll help you in dealing with conflicts on a regular basis and kind of bring you to a place of maturity where the Lord can really use you in relationships and, and bring some transformation in relationships like you've never had before. And so um, so here's, here's some good news from the good news. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So he's bringing up a first few first things. First of all, I don't think you can do the right thing with conflicts until you know him. So if you don't know God, that's why, that's why in, 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 um, in, uh, he, he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. There's no calling without a relationship with God. Your calling is to yourself without a relationship to Him. Your calling is to your own self-centered motivations is, is, is when you don't know Him. And so your first step to getting your heart in the right place is recognizing your desperate need for Jesus. And it's not just a one-time call to, I surrender to you, but it's an everyday, Lord, I surrender to you anew. And Lord, there's a tough time in this conflict. I surrender to you again. And Lord, I don't like how he looked at me. I surrender to you. Lord, I've told him several times to pick up his socks. I surrender to you. In other words, it's a, it's a constant, I surrender. I need you. I can't, I, I can't walk in the calling without a constant dependence upon Jesus and his Holy Spirit working in me to call, bring forth transformation in my own heart, to bring transformation in my own relationships. Does that make sense? Are you all with me? And then it's saying, once you've gotten to that place of calling, Look how he says that we should act when we're walking in his calling. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Does that sound anything like a conflict? Do those characteristics sound anything like a conflict? No, it sounds like us making a choice that in the midst of our day-to-day conflicts that we're gonna, we're gonna choose another route. We're gonna, we're gonna be humility, humble. Humble, humble and gentle and patient. And even though I want something, I'm gonna bear, I'm gonna bear with one another in love. And if you don't want, if you don't know what love is, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Great definition of love if you don't know what that means. I'm not gonna go there. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. In other words, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be unified. Eager. Eager to main, you, eager to main unity. Eager to main unity. 
that's like an action. I'm going to do what it takes to be unified. Does that make sense, y'all? So, so in the midst of conflict, instead of choosing conflict, instead of choosing what I want, I'm going to, I'm going to do what's necessary to, to have unity of spirit. We got some other scriptures, y'all. We got some great passages here just to encourage you. Um, in, in Hebrews, this is one of our, my staff and I, we, we read this, this verse together every, uh, time we meet together. Um, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Stir each other up. Not in conflict. Not stir up, stir up heated battles. Stir up for love and good works. So, so get it in your spirit. I'm gonna stir up. I'm gonna get me a big spoon and I'm gonna stir up some love and good works. I should have passed out spoons. That's what I should have passed out. Y'all got combs instead. So y'all can, you could use your, some of y'all combs look like this. You can use it maybe for a stir stick. But yeah. So yeah. Romans chapter 12, y'all, is a great, uh, place to focus on relation, keeping relationships sacred and working through conflict. Um, uh, I'm just going to hit a couple verses in, in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do y'all hear that? Outdo one another in showing honor. That's not, I want something and I'm going to get it and I don't care who you are, I'm going to get what I want. That, that, that's, you, you see the difference there. Outdo one another in showing honor. Because why? Relationships are important. Relationships with each other are important. Relationships in this church are important. So we can do a great work for the Lord. He's got, a, he's got this tremendous plan for this body to, to bring lost people to Him. So they can know God. And they can find freedom. And discover their purpose. And then they can make a difference. But in order for that to happen, we've got to be, we, we've got to be outdoing one another and showing honor to each other. Can you imagine how much of a difference that will make in your relationships if you just choose to do that one thing? Outdo one another in honor. Uh, going on in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Let love be genuine. Hate, abhor or hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Romans 12, 17 and 18. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And then Romans 12, 21. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So how are we going to reduce our conflict? We're going to check our heart. We're going to establish these biblical defenses. Then we're going to acknowledge, go ahead and acknowledge it happens. Acknowledge that conflict happens. It, it, it shouldn't shock us. Conflict happens, but it's what you do with the conflict, and it's what you do with your heart in the midst of conflict that, that's important. And then prepare for it. Prepare your heart to recognize and ask the question, ask yourself the simple question, what do I want here that's causing conflict? Because without what you want, there is no conflict. I'm trying to convince you all of that. For some of y'all, y'all, this is hard because we, we like to play the blame game and everything, blame everything on everybody else. But in order for, there's a, for, for there to be a conflict, there has to be two people involved. There's no, there's no, there's no conflict without two people being involved. 
And so one of those people need to take responsibility. And I'm, I'm praying it's you blood brought, filled with the Holy Spirit people. They're going to be checked by the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge it happens, prepare yourself with it, and deal with it. Right? So let's stand together. Are y'all ready to comb out some, some nappy knots of conflict? Relationship? In your relationships? Well, the first thing that, and it's the first part of our vision is to know God. And so, I just want to invite for just a second, if, if everyone, and this is not, 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 so, so first of all, I'm about to ask some people to raise their hand. I'm not trying to embarrass you by doing this, but I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads. It's the only way to get alone in a big room. And I want you to recognize, do I have a relationship with God? And if you don't, I want to take a moment as we bow our heads and close our eyes for just a second. And if, if everyone could just honor me in that, that you would just do that for just a second. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in this room and I'm talking about all this stuff and you, and you've been dealing with conflict, but you don't know Jesus, the one who can bring you out of conflict, that's your first step to know Him. So this morning, if that's you, if you've never, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you've never made God the Lord of, Lord, Lord of your life, if you've never said, God, I want to, you, maybe you've played Him some lip service, you've played a game, but you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if that's you this morning and you want to have a personal relationship with the Lord, if you could just simply Raise your hand and put your hand down real quickly. That would be great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Lord, you create us on purpose for a purpose. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, this morning, Lord, we can first of all connect with you. That, Lord, you came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to seek it out. That, Lord, I thank you you've given us these wonderful relationships in our lives. Lord, but I thank you that there's none that that supersedes you, Lord. You're first and foremost in everything. And thank you, Lord, for putting that in the heart of everyone here, that, Lord, we seek you above everything and anything. That, Lord, you you always have our best in mind no matter what. And so, Lord, I thank you for that, and we celebrate that this morning. And, Lord, I do thank you for the, the people that you've surrounded us with, that we can walk in integrity. Lord, we can walk and honor and respect those who you've placed in our lives and we can bleed, we can be a blessing to those around us. Lord, we will, we will choose service over self. We'll choose we over me. And Lord, in so doing, we can see people come into a life-giving relationship with you and with each others. Lord, we thank you for it and we celebrate your life here this morning. Lord, I thank you for Patrick and thank you for the word you've given him. Thank you for continuing to allow this word to permeate our hearts that we won't just walk out and forget but we'll live that out this week continually Lord asking what's in me what is it that I'm asking for what is it that I'm expecting others to do that Lord you want to do in and through me Lord I thank you for that in Jesus name Amen Father God you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people Lord, you said as we speak this, we place your name on them. You in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.